today we have the awesome privilege of hearing from Steve Addison. Steve is really well known in movement circles as someone who's been in this world for many years and has mentored and coached and taught many people, inspired many people into the realm of giving their lives and movements. And uh, he personally has blessed me uh, over many years. I, I work closely with Steve over, over the years and He's really uh, been an elder brother to me, helping me uh, in so many times and so many ways. And so for this reason, it's just so good to have Steve with us. And Steve has recently been reflecting on the book of Acts. He's been wrestling with the book of Acts. He's writing about the book of Acts. And this uh, today's conversation is really centered in on some of those reflections that he is seeing from the book of Acts. You can also hear more from Steve at his website, which we'll talk about uh, coming up shortly. Uh, But I hope you really enjoy this and as an end result that you can go back and jump into the book of Acts and get freshly inspired to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying and to obey and to go. Enjoy. So welcome, Steve. Really great to have you here. Well, great to see you, Dave. Uh, for those listening, you probably are familiar with Steve, as uh, as I've just mentioned in the introduction. But um, Steve has a uh, an outstanding um, website and a podcast himself. Steve, where do people go and find that? Uh, that's at movements.net. Movements.net, and you, you're producing some really heavy hitters there in the movement sphere of, of practitioners and world changers uh, on your podcast. Um, uh, how do they connect up with that? Can they find that on Apple Podcasts? Yeah, and, uh, yes, definitely. If you just search uh, Movements Steve Addison, you'll find me wherever, wherever good podcasts are available. Fantastic. <laughs> and and Steve, uh, your latest book, uh, Your Part in God's Story, 40 Days from Genesis to Revelation. I've read it. It's a good read and it's a good um, good reflection document on mission uh, from the Old Testament through. Um, it's a great book, Steve. Congratulations, mate. Where do they find that? Well, uh, again, wherever there are good books uh, in Australia, Kurong has copies, but uh, globally you get it through Amazon or get it ordered in if your bookstore doesn't have it. Um, Fantastic. And the whole approach to the book was, you know, when Jesus rose from the dead, he's preparing this, this sort of disheveled bunch of disciples to go take on the world. So how does he restore them and get them ready? He takes them from, you know, Genesis to Malachi teaching them about who he is, about the gospel, and about their task. Um, And then he says, just wait for the Spirit. So you just need to go through the Scriptures and have the Holy Spirit, and you can go, you know, multiply disciples and churches. So I thought, well, why, why don't we write a book about that and take people on that sort of journey? Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, there's, there is no other foundation, is there, apart from scriptures and really looking at the the narrative that God has given us of his story interacting with us and pushing us out into reaching the whole world with the gospel. So, mm. yeah, it's, uh, it's fantastic. And Steve, uh, that kind of leads into this um, 
next phase of what you're doing, Steve, mm. with uh, your wrest—you've you've coined it with me—wrestling with the Book of Acts, or yeah. writing on the Book of Acts, or going to produce the uh, the world-class um, um, document on the Book of Acts. Um, yeah, tell us about that. Yeah, tell well, us about as, how you're as you're aware, we're both in uh, Melbourne, Australia, and we're we're in our about 200 mm. days of lockdown now over the last year and a half. Uh, the only good thing that's come out of that, apart from painting the house and getting the garden in order, <laughs> is that's great for writing books. <laughs> Once you're a bit too tired of, of, of Zoom meetings. Mm. And um, I've been wrestling with Axe for oh, decades now. Um, and, uh, and I just feel like we've, we've got to get this grasp on it, that... that you know, Luke and Acts are maybe a quarter of the New Testament, you know, a really significant part mm-hmm. of Scripture. And, uh, you know, all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable, you know, for mm-hmm. teaching, for mm-hmm. correction, for guiding us in uh, both obedience uh, in, in our walk with God and, and obedience in, in the Great Commission. Yeah, Steve, I can remember... Over the years, as you've uh, influenced my life and you've poured into there, there are times of just sitting down in the book of Acts and um, drawing out stories and really it creates, a, I guess, the, the, the master narrative for us to jump into, the continuation of the book of Acts to today. What is the Spirit doing? But I, I also know that, you know, and in some contexts and some some people really look at the book of Acts quite differently. Um, and I remember <clears throat> sharing in one particular college and um, uh, sharing on the book of Acts and its influence towards us in movements. And then it's a it's basically what I would describe as apostolic authority um, mm. has a, has a huge part for us to play. But getting rebuffed, really, at the end of the talk by someone in, in a significant position of authority saying, what has the Book of Acts got to do with mm. us today? Mm. How, how, would you, how would you have responded? I, I probably didn't respond that well in the sense of I was caught a bit flat-footed, not, not reacting, yeah. but I, I yeah. didn't have a thought-through response in that context. How would you, what would you say to something like that? Look, I think there's one issue, in a sense, we can put off to the side, and that is that's often a, res- a defensive response that's hiding a concern mm. someone has. You know, they're afraid that the Book of Acts might mess with their life and ministry. Um, so, but we should be convinced by why it's important, um, mm. not, not just have an answer for that person. And look, just read the first verse. Uh, it says, you know, Luke is saying um, to his sponsor, probably, Theophilus, um, you know, I wrote to you previously in, in my gospel about everything Jesus began to do and teach. Mm. Now, highlight the word began. Mm. And what Luke is saying is the book of Acts is the story of what the risen Lord Jesus continues to do and teach through his messengers in the power of the Holy Spirit. So there's your Mm. reason why we should be taking this book seriously. Because 
Because I've had someone else say, oh, I just read the Gospels when I'm looking at disciple-making mm. movements because we're going mm. to the source. But in the book of Acts, we just have what the disciples did, and that's secondary. You know, we're mm. not getting to the source. The source is Jesus. Well, what he's forgotten is Jesus rose from the dead. And the book of Acts isn't just the book of the Acts of the Apostles or even the book of the Holy Spirit. It's also the book of the risen Lord Jesus because mm. Jesus is Lord and mm. he's absent physically, but he's present through his word and his spirit. And so you can't get any more authority than that. Yeah. Um, and so we, we need to approach the book of Acts, you know, in humility. Um, now, sure, people say, well, we can't, we can't copy all their methods. Well, you know, if you want to go for a sail around the Greek islands, it's, it's a wonderful thing to do. I haven't done it, but <laughs> you're probably going to use a car or an aeroplane, okay? But that's a minuscule uh, part of the book of Acts. There's far more lessons on prayer, on proclamation of the gospel, on church discipline, on the leading of the Holy Spirit. So I just, my heart aches for anyone who says, why would we bother with Acts? Yeah, yeah, so good. And the idea that um, underlying that kind of concept is that the book of Acts is more descriptive, not prescriptive, and and not providing for us a, um, um, a mode of operation or models of the way to do things. Um, it's kind of, well, that's a nice bit of history. Now let's yeah. move on and try our own things. Yeah. Um, yeah, what what do you think about that? Well, then, whoever says that, ultimately, we're getting back to the garden. We're going to place our word mm. above God's word. And that's how the mm. trouble began. Um, you know, if you're going to say that about Acts, it's just descriptive, not prescriptive. Um, you're going to say that about the Gospels, because it's the second half of Luke's Gospel. So we've just got the descriptive yes. stuff here. Uh, you know, well, a lot of scripture is descriptive, but Luke is selecting his material very carefully um, to show us not just what, because he's leaving out far more than he knows. He's not writing a comprehensive history. He's actually selecting who he focuses on. People think, oh, Peter must have just stuck his feet up after Acts 12. We hardly ever hear of him again. Well, it's just that, but Luke has his purposes, and that's why the, the focus uh, moves across to Paul. Now, um, in one sense, they're right. You know, uh, we don't normally roll dice when we're making important leadership decisions. You know, they, they, they selected Matthias by lots, okay? But that's mm. not repeated anywhere else in Scripture. When the Spirit comes, the pattern mm. is, you know, the Spirit and the Word are guiding us. I'm not saying you could never do that. Mm. But I don't mm. think most, most people are getting messed up by saying, oh, we better roll dice to find leaders, you know. Mm. Um, most of them are going to the book of Acts and they're looking at the, the work of the Spirit, the work of the risen Lord. They're looking at... Um, the community that of his God's people gathered in Jerusalem saying, man, when, you know, this is 2,000 years ago, but how are we going to catch up to these people? And in that sense, we must, as I said, approach the book with, um, 
with humility, expecting God to lead and guide. And of course, some of it is just describing what happened. Doesn't mean we should mm. roll dice for leaders. Mm. Well, and John that's Wesley really... did actually <laughs> a few times in the early days. Did he really? I didn't it's know. Probably that. still turned out fine. <laughs> I think he did. <laughs> it's in the book of Acts. The, um, let's... <laughs> let, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. The um, the the idea that you just talked about of models and mm. repeated mm. patterns and mm. and these these are things that can really give us instruction both in 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 uh, practicing and mm. seeing the gospel spread as well as the dis, the um, repeated story of what does church look like mm-hmm. and what what how does how does this work and how does the gospel mm. expand and saturate in different areas so that those yeah. models uh, become therefore models for us, and we, so somehow we then move past the the idea of pres, uh, descriptive to prescriptive. We learn from Acts, and we go mm. and we sit at the feet of what God was doing, and we go, "Wow!" And how how much yeah. of a challenge or a foil that becomes for our own current practice. Mm. And uh, yeah, so powerful. And the Spirit so is going to guide you. If you take the word seriously, because, you know, Jesus' view of the scriptures is, you know, when they speak, God is speaking. Um, if mm. we take that seriously and, and we come with a heart to, to, to obey, he will guide us about the, you know, implementation. But more than just, well, how did they do stuff? What was their model? Um, it's far deeper than that. It's what was their identity as a people? It doesn't begin mm-hmm. with, oh, we meet in houses or, you know, we have flat leadership mm-hmm. structures. You know, they're all mm-hmm. secondary things. It begins with whose mission is this? Whose church is this? It's the risen Lord Jesus. You know, he's just risen from the grave and planted his feet on earth and he is still leading the way, and that hasn't changed in 2,000 years. So um, if you're scratching your head and say, how on earth did Ananias and Sapphira get struck dead? Okay. Mm. Well, what's that got to do with us today? I don't know, but you better fear the Lord. You mm. know, Peter doesn't cause mm. their deaths. He just announces what's going to happen. Um, all mm. of a sudden, you know, you've got to see who the Lord Jesus is. And, and be aware that he is, he doesn't just command them to go to the ends of the earth. He, he says the Spirit's going to come. He promises them. And then he says, oh, let me tell you what will happen next. You'll be going to the ends of the earth as witnesses to me because the Spirit comes to bear witness to the Lord Jesus. So he stamps his authority on this thing. It's not our mission. We're not carrying this, but we're called into it. And he's given us his word. He's given us the presence, God's presence through the Holy Spirit. Now, they're nothing to do with programs. They're everything to do with identity, who we are, the air we breathe. And, you know, well, he doesn't say, you know, this whole including the Gentiles, right, into the church. Mm -hmm. You'd think if Jesus had planned this thing well, he would have just explained how we're going to do that. What we're going to, are we going to circumcise these guys or not? You know, do they have to become Jews in order to become Christians? That's a big issue. It's, it's 10 years after Pentecost 
before they have the big meeting in Acts 15 to sort that thing out that's been a real mm. sore in their side. Mm. Well, Jesus could have told them. Yeah. Instead, he says, you got my word. The Holy Spirit is going to intervene, you know, and rattle your cage, get Peter to Cornelius's place, help him mm. see not just a word from the Spirit, but making the scriptures alive. He's going to have to go back and he's going to be in trouble in Jerusalem. And they're going to draw on the Spirit and the Word and make a decision that moves the mission of multiplying disciples and churches forward. If, I mean, that's a goldmine in lessons. And so Jesus, does, he sure. knows that problem's coming down the road. He says, that's okay. I'm going to guide you by my Word and, your, and the Spirit and just remember the task I've given you. Now go sort that yeah. one out. And it might take you 10 years. Very powerful, very powerful, and really provides for us um, foundations in which we're to move forward, you know, which is the Word of God becomes a foundation. But the Spirit of God also pushes us into mission and, um, mm. and the work of the Spirit that pushes us into mission. Peter going into Cornelius' house and the breakthrough amongst yeah. the Gentiles, but raised a whole set of different problems which they then needed to go back to the Word of God and the Spirit of God mm. to, to, to see the expansion of the gospel. That's, and, that's and not, great. I mean, they do it graciously, mm. but they don't compromise the Word, the Spirit, and the mission. Yeah. So there are yeah. some guys that decide after this, we're still going to cause trouble for, for Paul's, maybe not after or before, for Paul's churches. And mm. we're going to expect mm. all these Gentiles to get circumcised. Well, that's a mm. great incentive. <laughs> and, and Paul says um, he doesn't regard them as brothers in Christ. He just says, I hope they castrate themselves. Yeah. And so he draws a line. You know, there's none of this, oh, you can go off the rails and believe whatever you want as long as you put a, a shingle out and call yourself a church or something or a Christian. No, um, you, you're going to obey God's living word. And it ought to encourage us that Peter is an apostle full of the Holy Spirit, trained by Jesus in ministry, taught by Jesus over 40 days from throughout the whole of the scriptures, called by Jesus, and he's clueless. Ten mm. years after Pentecost, Great Commission, he's in Cornelius's house, and it's taken him ten years to get to that place. Wow. That ought to encourage us. Yeah. This mission is not in our hands. You know, there's no apostles running around, controlling from the center, you know, making sure everybody's under their authority and all that sort of stuff. You know, when, when something breaks out, Jerusalem will send someone along, but in order to strengthen it, bless it, and expand it. So now there are multiple centers of energy and mission popping up, and Jerusalem's not controlling from the center, just as Paul doesn't control from the center. Um, it's mm -hmm. about the movement rather than somebody with a puzzle on the business card. Yeah, that's, that's powerful. I always remember, Steve, when we were hashing through values as praxis and and you came and talked to us about word, spirit and mission. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're, it, it is exactly where we're up to. We yeah. actually had come to a place of saying word, spirit and mission. And at many, many ways, this is the 
kind of driving values or driving um, both that need to be internalized in our hearts. Mm. You know, we need to be people that love the word, obey the word, the word live under the authority of the word. That's discipleship, right? It's just listening to the commands of Jesus Mm. and obeying them. But also being filled with the Spirit, uh, being filled with prayer, uh, being having a relationship with God that's living, dynamic, being led uh, to go to different places by the mm. Spirit, being spoken yeah. to, knowing your, knowing your part. And then the mission of God or the heart of God that everyone might know um, this good news. So that's really, um, yeah, really yeah. quite powerful. Steve, um, just... Um, What's what's jumping out at you as as you're reading the book of Acts? What's uh, I mean, you've already uh, mm. t- we're tapping into some passion here as you're talking and some real some real heart. What, what what's what's fresh to you as you're reading through in this season as you're wrestling through Acts? And uh, I think in movement circles we're all kind of immersed and we have heard so much and and yet there's still so much to be. Expounded, or uh, you know, what about you? What's what's fresh? Look, I, I think um, the sense of you know, I, I guess one thing that's really grabbed me in a fresh way, as I've worked through now from from one Acts one to twelve, it, in a real sense, that's the story of the church centered in Jerusalem, mm. and I'm seeing it's you know, you think oh, there's Peter is he's he's got his platform there and there's a few thousand people gathered around Pastor Peter um, and there's this one church in Jerusalem. Well, no, because pretty soon after Pentecost they start throwing guys into prison and beating them and and then, mm. you know, ten years later Herod's sort of beheading James and Peter's running from Jerusalem, doesn't return to live there anymore. So there's very limited opportunities for them to meet at the temple after a few years. So let's say there's 10,000. This could be very much, say, after 10 years, about 10,000 believers in Jerusalem. There's probably mm. 500 churches meeting in homes. That's about 20 people in a church because the upper room, you know, 120 people, that is like a mega rich person's upper room. Mm-hmm. Um, Mary, who was uh, John Mark's uh, mother, you know, Peter goes to that house when he's released from, or when he escapes from prison. You know, another wealthy person, but lucky to have 30 to 50 people crammed into a super rich person's house. The rest of them, you know, it's like a dozen people. So there's churches across Jerusalem. There's churches overflowing, um, the words getting out into the local towns and villages in Judea. And it says Samaria, there are churches. There's some churches in Galilee. Um, When the believers get pushed out of uh, Jerusalem, um, you know, that first persecution against Stephen, that's only a few years after Pentecost. There are churches popping up along the Mediterranean coast in Phoenicia, and then up into Damascus, you know, and I've, I've just started writing a list. It's like an wow. unbelievable list of the movement that came out of this seed that was planted in Jerusalem. You know, I've got mm. 48 names 
of key people who got their start in the Jerusalem church and then ended up all over the place. Um, uh, You know, anyway, I won't go into those details. So, So Jerusalem is a church of many churches, and it's a church that is born as a movement. Mm. And when the thing takes off in Samaria, when it takes off in Antioch, and they become new centers of multiplication, they're not under Jerusalem. Jerusalem is sending people to, to strengthen and encourage. And eventually, Peter's pushed out in 41 AD, and he pops up in Antioch. You know, he's got a relationship with churches in, you know, probably mostly Jewish churches in in, in uh, Asia Minor, which is now Turkey. And and all the other apostles, tradition tells us, they hit the road. So what we learn in those first 12 chapters is how a church becomes a movement. And it's still mm. fully church, but it's a church that multiplies disciples, leaders, other churches to the glory of God. Um, mm. And I thought, man, I really want to... Get on top of this and, and, and to say to people as they're planting churches or leading churches, how can you become a Jerusalem church? Wow. Uh, how can you do what wow. they did? And, and this is the thing, you know, about is it prescriptive or descriptive, okay? Mm, mm. What it is, is movements renew by returning to their heritage. So what mm-hmm. has G, the risen Lord Jesus done in this Jerusalem church? Okay. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the heart of it. Now, the transition into your setting is, all right, what does that look like today? And that's the innovation side led by the Word and the Spirit and, and just trial and error and common sense. But if we don't start in the Word, that, you know, what do we do today? That'll dis- that destroys ministries because they just think, the, the key to the mission is innovation and thought leaders and creativity and all of those things are good, but they're not, they're not the word and the spirit of God. Yeah. Wow. Fantastic. And even as you look at um, Acts in chapter 2, when the spirit comes and the is poured out and people are hearing uh, in their own native language in that mm. list of places. Um, yeah. Yeah. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, um, uh, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, etc. Well, well let, let's say Turks, Afghans, mm. I, mm-hmm. uh, Iraqis, Iranians, Arabs, and North Africans. You know, just Absolutely. just so as we can see, you know, these are just not these weird historic nations, but uh, you know, the gospel spread out into what is now uh, Turkey and, and parts of Central Asia and, and, and was a stronghold for hundreds mm. of centuries, just as strong mm. as it was in the West, maybe even stronger. And, mm. and now the Lord is doing it again. And, and I remember we placed those um, on a map. Mm. And if you looked around the compass, they're kind of, Every every yeah. point of the compass was covered. It wasn't yeah. just one. It was it was right around, and mm. and um, you know it really speaks of the 
the focus of all people, all nations. Um, mm. And then yeah. you're jumping into things like Acts 11, where it says, you know, um, the per- persecution and those who scattered. Mm. And Stephen went to Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. Um, but there are men um, from Cyrene, which is North Africa, yeah. that went then to uh, Antioch. Um, and you're seeing a missionary movement not just from Jerusalem, but from the other hubs, spreading to other hubs. And it's quite astounding as you start to uh, see and, that. And, and Dave, this ought to worry us because we're both mission leaders. None of this was planned. You know, the, the 12 in Jerusalem are catching up to what God's doing through ordinary people on the fringe. You know, people that, wow. that should know better. You know, wow. That's where none of these breakthroughs are occurring. Um, now, Paul sees breakthroughs, um, but but we don't, you know, Luke doesn't give us, have time to, to explain how did the whole of Asia Minor, the whole of that part of Turkey, mm. hear the gospel and churches plant? How did the whole of Achaia, you know, southern Greece, when, when Paul is, is pretty much staying in Corinth for Greece and, and in Ephesus for, for Turkey, well, that's because he's training and sending people out who we never hear of. But oh, is that how those those churches, uh, uh, you know, Colossae and uh, Hierapolis and Laodicea, they're, they're, you know, it's, that's Epaphras starting those. And so there's so much, that, you know, Luke's saying this is not a centrally coordinate. It's not like, it doesn't mean we shouldn't have plans. You hmm. know, Paul had a basic strategy he's working to. Um, but this, this thing is far bigger than what Peter or Paul or any apostle can do. This is a work of God through all of his people. That's amazing. It's amazing. And just uh, sitting down with our leaders and trying to develop a strategic plan, but coupled with this kind of dynamic tension of it's not about what we can plan, but keeping up with the spirit. And I laughed with our leaders just um, last week or the week before we just need to call our plan Acts 13, you know, and the Spirit said, set aside for me, <laughs> and off they yeah. went. Um, mm-hmm. Now, just, it's, it's an it's a outstanding reflection of the um, spread of the gospel that was taking place that we probably miss in those first 12 chapters of Acts, mm-hmm. the many locations, the spread mm-hmm. that was happening. We often view it as a very centralized one church, and even in our... Mm-hmm. I mean, um, we have models of big churches, so we probably go back into that uh, picture thinking one big church, mm. a sermon uh, thing. But really, you're s- describing a out-of-control, decentralized, mm. but, but fundamentals that are driving this community of the Word and the Spirit and, and mission. And that it's, it's decentralized in the sense of control. Mm. But the glue, the, the mm-hmm. center that holds it together is the Word and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know, so, so Peter and John, they go down to Samaria and they partner with Philip down there. Um, and they've got to, you know, they've got to prune some stuff with, mm. uh, what is it, Simon the, the magician or the sorcerer um, mm. who, who wants money in order to dispense the Holy Spirit. He had, <laughs> you know, he, so there, there's still going to be that sort of stuff, um, but they're not controlling the thing. Mm. Um, 
they're, they're, correct, they're bringing some correction, as Paul does with his churches. They're circling back. Um, but they're, they're adding fuel to the fire that God started mm. and mm. giving it a direction around the leading of the Word and the Holy Spirit. Fantastic. You know, just the idea, you just get into the Acts 2, where, where Peter says the Spirit's going to come upon, you know, slave girls and, and free, masters and slaves, men and women, young and old, you know, rich wow. and poor. And they're all going to prophesy. They're all going wow. to bear witness uh, powerfully to the living Lord Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. That's a movement. You know, regardless of how you measure it or assess it or whatever, you know, this is God's pouring out his spirit on all flesh. And everybody Um, gets to play. Yeah. Everybody gets to play. And, you know, we think um, the upper room is the God. Let's have our 24-7 prayer and and then the kingdom will come. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, it takes them about, whether it's five or 50 minutes, that's about how long it takes after the Spirit comes in power before they hit the streets with the Word. And it doesn't stop there because sometimes we think, oh, it's just getting conversions. You know, we've got, oh, 3,000 in a day. Let's move move the tent on to the next place. Mm -hmm. But then it goes straight from 3,000 in a day to let's tell you about how these disciples lived in community and when it went on growing in grace. And as they did that, this movement kept pushing out throughout Jerusalem and beyond. So it's, it's, mm. it's a wonderful story. Um, Amazing. And, and Jesus rose from the dead, so he still mm. leads the way today. He's still doing this stuff. He's still risen from the dead. And he's, yeah. the, the he turns is still up. working. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, fantastic. And he's 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 with the believers right now mm. through the Holy Spirit in Afghanistan mm. who are yes. paying an incredible price. You know, they're straight out of the book of Acts. You know, you you give them um, you know, Acts four when they're praying praying down God's power in the midst of persecution. You just Open that to them. and uh, Now, do you think this is prescriptive or descriptive? You know, <laughs> they're just going to grab that uh, Acts 4, 31, or and they're going to, this is incredible. And they're going to mm. use that to launch themselves into prayer in the midst of murderous persecution. Often I think we ask that question just because we're not doing anything. Yes. You know, like those yes. believers who are in the midst yes. of a, a terrible, terrible, ferocious persecution. Mm. But with the confidence that Jesus is with them, mm. he's with those who are going to give their lives. Mm. He's with them as the word continues to spread in the power of the spirit. Mm. We, we're going to see and already are seeing a great move of God amongst Muslim people, even in the midst of severe persecution. Because it's, really it's in the book of Acts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, and perhaps, you know, the terms of prescriptive and descriptive uh, becomes irrelevant when we view the, uh, the idea of the word being the living word, the spoken mm. word to us. Like if you, if you jump into a group of persecuted Christians and just open the word and, they, and, and it's as if Jesus stands up from the pages of those words and speaks directly to us. 
and strengthens the heart and gives us ways forward of obedience and action mm. and obe- and yeah. we 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 see the word then becoming uh, neither prescriptive or descriptive, but authoritative and living. Yes, and and lived in our context. Yes, and and so. you can read it and say, okay, Peter gets persecuted. So the first thing he does is he he goes down at dawn to um, the synagogue and starts preaching again. <laughs> yeah, but on the other time he gets released by the angel, and he, he escapes away. Jerusalem, never comes back. So the, it, it's. Mm. It's not a law what you should do. You know, it's like, well, Peter escaped persecution. Yeah, but James got beheaded. <laughs> and God is yes. God. But they'll read yes. those passages and they'll know how real they are. Mm. Mm. It's a fantastic conversation, Stephen. I'm just uh, in lot, you know, my spirit comes alive when we're looking at the, the book of Acts and I'm really looking forward to your reflections as it moves on and as it becomes um, just a, a, the living word, as it were, spoken to us. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there, I have a couple of questions. Um, you, you talk about acts and key pivot moments. Where would you describe the key pivot moments in acts of of from Jerusalem church to ending up in, in, in Rome? Um, and really that's the... The geography of Acts, isn't it, from mm. Jerusalem mm. to Rome? Um, what What are the key pivots, and what are some of the things that you draw out of those pivots there? Hmm. Look, um, and the interesting thing is, God is very careful when He's bringing these major shifts. And in one sense, mm. there are key moments, like mm. when the Spirit says in Acts thirteen, "Guys, now we're doing the Gentile mission. Off you go." Mm. Um, but the preparation for that begins way back. But we could even start it with, you know, the death of Stephen, who cast vision for um, this gospel going beyond the borders of Judaism. So that's mm. that's been seven chapters of, you know, with the conversion of Paul and, uh, you know, all of those things. So there are key pivot moments and, and you know, from 12 to uh from 1 to 12 is Jerusalem, 13 on is really we're going after the Gentile mission. And that pushes through right till uh, the end of 21. Um, and there's another key pivot in the story where Paul has finished. He's been at the pinnacle of his ministry at Ephesus. Mm. And now the Spirit's saying to him, you're headed for Rome, Paul, and expect suffering. Well, he didn't say he headed for Rome until he, a little bit later, but, mm. you know, down to Jerusalem, you're going to, and, and we have a whole story of his trials and travels from, from uh, tw- 22 to 27. So, but when, it, when the gospel finally gets to Rome, that's actually, and here's the next pivot, which is Acts 29. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because Rome is not the ends of the earth. It's just a new center from where the gospel will now go to the ends of the earth. So it's it's Rome. Paul in Rome is not the finish of the story. Oh, he made it to the center of the empire. No, that's just a new launching pad because for a long time he's wanted to go from Rome to Spain. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's possible he was released and then he did get to Spain. 
That's another story. But Acts ends without ending. It ends in chapter 8. Paul's in prison awaiting trial. There's a good chance he's going to get off. But there he is. He's chained. Await. And why doesn't Luke tell us what happened to Paul? Because Acts isn't about Paul. It's not about Peter. It's not about Stephen. It's about God's mission, the word going to the ends of the earth. And so Acts ends open-ended with Paul. He's in, in, he's in not prison, but he's chained to, to a soldier. And yet God's word is unchained. And it's still going out from Paul in the center of the empire. And what Luke's saying and the Lord is saying is, hey, guys, whatever era you're in, it's now your Acts 29 moment because this gospel is going to the ends of the earth. And I like to say every people group and every place. Mm. Mm. And then the end will come. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, It finishes, um, Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. And Mm. he says he stayed there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came in to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus with boldness and without hindrance. Yeah. Wow. He's in jail. But the Luke, uh, Luke finishes his preaching without hindrance. <laughs> mm. So the yeah. you know well fantastic. he's he's in a rented apartment. He must have a lot of money for that because they were expensive in Rome. But he's chained to a soldier twenty four hours a day. Um, but yeah, the word of God. He's speaking boldly, and that keeps popping up. Yeah. That word boldly and unhindered. This, this word that is like, a, you know, a, a, an uncaged tiger going yeah. to the ends of the earth. It's a wonderful thing. And wherever the word goes in the power of the spirit, the fruit is always reproducing, multiplying disciples in community. Fantastic. And this idea, the finish is just the beginning. The, mm. the end of the book is just a pivot into the next, uh, next part of the history. Just, just yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Steve, um, as uh, people who are going to be listening to this, I imagine mm. uh, people who are, who are plowing the fields in some very hard places, mm. whether it be Indonesia or Myanmar or Eastern Europe yeah. or around Australia, some, mm. of them are, some of them have been doing um, some fantastic things. What would your encouragement be speaking directly to the listeners of this podcast mm. as we're looking at the book of Acts um, in relationship to the book of Acts, how would you how would you encourage them? I think one one way would be resign. <laughs> this is not you're not in charge of your mission. Jesus chose failed, weak, disillusioned disciples and turned them in to you know the people that we we find in the book of Acts. So. He's called you to this. Let him shape you. Not just in, certainly the skills, because he teaches those disciples skills throughout the Gospels. And they continue to demonstrate that they've learnt from him. You know, Peter at Cornelius' house is doing what Jesus trained him to do back in the Gospels. When This is how you enter an unreached town. He does those things. So he's going to train your hands and your head 
but let him shape who you are and find your grounding and identity in that, the word, the spirit, the core missionary task. Uh, Be satisfied in him, but now express that with others in team uh, by engaging, by learning to see what did Jesus do in the Gospels, what does the risen Lord continue to do in the book of Acts and the epistles. Let's do those things. Let's learn from other teams that are, that are doing those things in terms of effective strategies and methods. But the heart of this is your identity in uh, the Word, mm. the Spirit, the calling to, to pursue the core missionary task. And, and strategies wow. and methods are built on that core. And sometimes yeah. you'll be running flat out and all God's doing is teaching you, hey, this is how you do uh, discovery in your setting, how you connect with a, find a person of peace and, and you're learning skills. And other times you might still be doing those things, but he'll be going to work on your heart. You can't, you can't, sometimes one you know, predominates over the other, but there's this ongoing dynamic of he's shaping who you are and he's teaching you to do what you do towards his purposes. So cooperate with that. Don't don't find your identity in the task and the results. Yeah, that's so good, Steve. Steve, uh, I want to thank you. I know that you have um, blessed me over the years so many times. It's just great to be friends together on mission and to be um, partners in, in seeing the, the Great Commission fulfilled in our, in our generation. So, yeah, well, bless and you, I, brother. I love being a friend, not just of, of yours, Dave, but a friend of Praxis and keeping in touch with uh, what all the different ones are knowing. And um, so love to them if you're listening in. Um, it's great to be a part of this. Thank you, Steve. And for those who want to listen to some more outstanding podcasts, go to movements.net and you'll pick up on Steve's conversations with movement leaders from around the world and also uh, his, his books. If you haven't read Steve's books, which he's got a number, you need to read them and uh, just just do jump on the website, movements.net. They'll be listed there and grab hold of them. But yeah, it's more than just... Um, a promotional thing. This is really filling our hearts and our heads with with what God is doing and, and equipping us for for the task at hand. So thanks Steve. Bless you. Good to be with you. Bye.